0: Tonight's theme is local mission and we're going to be praying for the work of the church and of local mission uh, through through this evening. So we've got uh, four people that we're going to be interviewing and learning about the work that's going on that they're involved in. Let me start off by reading a few verses from Psalm 30. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead and you spared me for going down into the pit. Sing, praise the Lord, you faithful people. Praise his holy name. So let's just commit this evening to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity for us to meet together And to meet with you, we pray Lord you bless this time as we focus on your word. Amen. Amen. So tonight we're focusing on local mission and we want to spend some time learning about the local mission uh, that's going on and then to spend time praying about some of the people uh, from our uh, midst here who are involved in that. So obviously this is not new in the context of of churches, um, and churches have been doing this for many years. So I'd just like to read you a few verses from Acts 6. The context of this is that Jesus has been crucified, he rose again, and he spent time with the 11 apostles and other disciples. He then left his followers and ascended into heaven. These followers in Jerusalem were empowered by his Holy Spirit and began preaching, teaching, healing, meeting together. And the Acts of the Apostles, the book in the Bible called the Acts, is the story of these early days of the church. So I'm going to read from Acts 6. In those days when the number of disciples were increasing, the Hellenistic Jews, among them, complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the disciples, sorry, so the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it is not right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. And we will give our attention to prayer and ministry of the word. So this proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Procurus, Niach-Noor, Timon, Parmenza, and Nicholas of Antioch, a convert to, to Judaism. They presented these words these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. And so the word of God spread. The numbers of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So we've just read there was a complaint being raised by the Hellenistic Jews. So there's two communities of Jewish people who have become Christians in Jerusalem. You've got the Hebraic Jews who are from the Hebrew tradition so they've grown up as uh, devout Jews in Jerusalem and in the surrounding area and they're immersed in the Hebrew culture. You've also got the Hellenistic Jews who have been uh, living in other countries and other regions in the known world. They've become Christians uh, but their cultures are different, they've lived in different places, they've got different ideas, uh, and they've come from up and down the, the Mediterranean and are now living in, in Jerusalem. So these two groups make up the church in Jerusalem, and they've got slightly different outlooks on life. Uh, and the Hellenistic Jews are feeling that their widows are missing out. It sounds like they are probably one of the, they are a minority group. And we also learn from the passage that there's a daily distribution of food. Members of the new church were probably in financial difficulties. Uh, The widows had no means of supporting themselves. And so there was fundraising, money gathered within the church, and food was provided for those in need. The passage doesn't say anything more about that. This is not, Surprising! This is not a command or anything like that. It's just assumed that this is just going to go ahead and, and happen. So, if you look at the church in Jerusalem, it's an inner city church. It's made up of people from different backgrounds and cultures, some rich, some poor, and they're responding to local needs. So, it sounds quite a lot like our church here. So, in in order to respond to this, the Apostles calls everyone, call everyone together, they hold a church meeting, and they come up with a plan. And the plan is that they themselves need to focus on preaching and uh, carrying out the great commission that Jesus had given them. So they suggest appointing seven other people to manage the food distribution. And what they say is to the church meeting, Choose men full of Holy Spirit and of wisdom. So they're not saying it's, it's only food distribution, anyone can do it. What they're just saying is these people are carrying out an important role and we need people that are blessed by God and are going to do this um, to a high standard because this is important. So the church chose seven, and the interesting thing about the seven people is their names all sound like they've come from the Greek community, so they are part of this minority uh, that uh, were feeling that their widows were missing out. So the decision to appoint these seven helps counterbalance the uh, sense that the minority in the church are feeling uh, undermined. But this is the first example we know of the New Testament of, them, of the church getting organised and uh, structuring their um, the, the way they organise some things, structuring their time and giving out responsibilities to try and achieve uh, the mission that they set themselves. And we read in the passage that because of this, the word of God spread; the number of disciples carried on increasing, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So in the context of tonight where we're looking at social outreach uh, we're going to be hearing from uh, people from the church who are involved in that and we want them to be people full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom because the work that they're doing is important. One of the people chosen, one of the seven, was uh, a man called Stephen And if you want to read on uh, in the passage later this evening, uh, he then uh, was the first Christian follower to be martyred and clearly lived an an outstanding and extraordinary life. So we're now going to start, uh, uh, we're now going to welcome up our four uh, guests, people involved in local mission. Um, So we're going to invite Keith uh, to come up first. Ed's going to interview Keith and then I'll pray for Keith, and then we'll move on and uh, hear from the others.
1: Can clap Trevor, um, because this is good news for the church sharing these sorts of stories, this is good news because all of this is the gospel being spread in our community. So it kind of fuels our faith when we talk about these things. Keith is a member of an organisation called Love Southampton as well as many other initiatives. Can you introduce yourself Keith to us?
2: Yes hi um, I think most of you know me as the sort of northern lad that sits the front and partly blind and sings quite loudly. Um, uh, so when I'm not sitting here I'm Professor Keith Brown. I used to Run the National Centre for Social Work, which delivered about half of the postgraduate CPD social work education in the UK. And I've been a government advisor for many years. I then met, met, uh, made that wonderful age when I could retire, so I'm now a pensioner. But that happened just before COVID, and I got a little bit bored. And I was fortunate that Matt Hancock phoned me up and said, quick, come back to work. So uh, I'm, I'm still a member of the Joint Fraud uh, vulnerability task force in the city of London and I do the national research into scams and fraud. I am still on the COVID gold command team. I also chair the NHS England uh, national safeguarding network and I also do other two other little jobs in safeguarding boards uh, and a few other little things.
1: So lots of big words that have gone over my head a little bit there. What I hear from that is you're a man who's important and you're a man you've got
2: no you've got... I'm, not, I'm not important i think wow. I'm, I'm a man who's still following the destiny that god called me to when i was a child and i mean that most seriously i felt called to work with the marginalized and the poor and i'm still living that out so i can't tell you just half of the things that i do but if you see things going wrong on the news people's deaths problems major tragedies more often than not, I'm getting called in to chair, deal with, or work with those horrible, difficult situations. But I want to tell you this other little story tonight. You know, um, A few weeks ago, the House of Parliament had its annual prayer breakfast. And a great man called Les Isaacs, who started UpStreet Pastors, spoke. I don't know if you've heard this story yet. And he spoke about integrity and authenticity in leadership. And within 24 hours, Sajid Javid had decided he needs to retire, resign, from, not retire, resign from the government because of integrity and authenticity. And it caused the collapse of a government. And this time next week, I'm speaking at the Labour Party conference and speaking at their prayer breakfast. And I'm going to be talking to them about working with the marginalised and the seldom heard voices and launching my new World party parliamentary report. Now, I ain't Les Isaacs, so it won't have the same impact, but I've got the same God behind me. Our God is a great big God, and he holds us in his hands, does he not? And so I'm hoping and praying that uh, when I'm meeting those people next week, we can start to make another work in that role and make those differences. So I'm not Les Isaacs, I'm just Keith Brown, but that's what I'll be doing.
1: Well, if we narrow down what you do slightly, because there's lots there, but you're also involved in an initiative in Southampton called Love Southampton. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about the work there? I know there's some partnering with the local council there as well. Can you share some of that with us?
2: Yeah, so COVID occurs and we're all in lockdown and I'm super bored. And uh, we've got some great people in our church uh, and other churches doing things. And uh, it's like, well, how do we better coordinate and think through how we can respond to the need during COVID. Uh, So we started twice weekly online meetings under the umbrella of something called Love Southampton, which we rapidly put together. And so Love Southampton is about representing what the churches do and integrating that with the welfare state. And we met twice a week all the way through COVID. Some of the things we did, you know, churches in Southampton... Every every council in the country was given money during COVID for what's called temporary accommodation of the homeless, so there was no homeless people on the street during COVID. But the council suddenly realised it couldn't afford to feed, uh, feed them, put them in bed and breakfast accommodation and nowhere to feed them. Churches in Southampton fed every homeless person in temporary accommodation during the COVID epidemic. Churches in Southampton... Three people like Sanjay, distributed 2.9 million pounds worth of food during the middle of the pandemic at its worst time. The CAP groups that Ros and the others, three CAP groups in Southampton, delivered nearly 10% of the whole of the CAP UK business in Southampton during that first year of COVID. The churches in Southampton accommodated 80 people, 80 nights of accommodation in the pods during the winter of COVID. It's one of the most remarkable events that's ever happened in our country, I think in the last 50 years, dealing with homeless people. Because most homeless people's work occurs in hostels. And hostels are often, and I'm sorry because I've got Trevor behind me, he's going to pray for me in a minute, and he, I'm a bit nervous about this. Sorry, Trevor. You know, hostels are not always easy places for homeless people, is that fair to say? Fair to say. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, um, people are there, have got messed up lives in a difficult situation, and these people in, in these pods had a bit of personal space. And a bit of personal dignity. And they were, asked, they were asked to go out on the streets in the daytime, but when they came back, their personal belongings were not tampered with. Nobody had stolen from them. No one was pushing drugs at them. And the rehousing rate of these homeless people in the temporary accommodation, the church up the road, is off the scale in terms of, of immenseness compared to any other homeless person's work in the country. And I read endless reports of deaths of homeless people. And the church simply did that. God is a God of good news, doing great things through ordinary Christians in ordinary towns. And Love Southampton simply comes to represent that. We do the work with the homeless people. We do the work with, with, we're supporting work with all the refugees. The Hong Kong refugees that are pouring into our city. The Ukrainian refugees, we have workers supporting these people. We're not a charity, we're not doing anything, we're not funding anything. Simply, we're trying to coordinate that work and that activity. And you can read all about that in that. Some copies there, copies outside. Please take more than one copy. Take these to give to your friends to say, did you know the sheer impact of what the church does in our society? Did you know that there is hope? Because that's our strapline. Love Southampton is all about saying there is hope.
1: Sounds like good news to me. Sounds like good news to you. That's good. Uh, Keith, very, very quickly, what can we do to partner with you in prayer?
2: One of our real needs at the moment, and we're getting people together, is to find people who are able to help us write up what I call the impact of what we're doing. Christians are often really good activists. We like to do things. But then we'd like to go on and do more good things, and then more good things. And we never write up the impact of what we've just done. Does that make sense? And then we can't tell the impact of our story, and we can't change the government, and we can't change policies. So Sanjay and I and Ash and a few others, we've got a major task in the next few months, I think, to write about food and food distribution and the economics of food and food distribution. Yeah. Ie, should we be buying food to distribute food, or should we be going out to stop food being put in landfill to give out food? All that sort of stuff. That's a pretty Herculean task, and we've got to the end of January to get that all written up and turned into an all-party pa- all parliamentary report, and that's a bit of a task. So well, pray for that, please. I'm not sure. Well, it'll get done, at, but it'll get done by the skin of my teeth.
1: Yeah, well, that's good. We're going to have a chance at the end of the service to pray for all of the things that um, our interviews have shared. But for now, Trevor's just going to come and pray for the work of Love Love Southampton.
0: So we thank you, Lord, for all the things that have been achieved through this group. We thank you, Lord, for the way that you've worked through the local churches. We pray that you'd be with Keith and the other leaders as they continue to serve you in this way. We pray, Lord, for the writing up of this document. We pray, Lord, that you would inspire those who are trying to demonstrate the impact uh, of Love Southampton, the impact that you've had on this city. And We pray, Lord, over the coming weeks and months that you'd be with Keith as he continues to uh, promote this work. We pray, Lord, for the opportunity at the Labour Party Conference. And we pray, Lord, for his work more generally as he uh, represents those uh, disadvantaged people in our community thank you that you've laid on him this burden and thank you lord that you've equipped him to uh, serve you in this way so lord we pray that you go with him uh, and inspire him we pray amen
1: amen thank you very much keith i'm going to invite sanjay up next to come and share with us Now, Sanjay, I know you very well as the person who blocks my car in every Thursday. Oh, definitely. Um, but yeah. not everyone else here is going to know you yeah, but, uh, that way. So no, people, you in- sh-
3: people should come in about 8 o'clock like people I should. do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, would you
1: like yeah. to introduce yourself very gracefully to the congregation?
3: Um, yes, uh, I'm Sanjay. i not as prestigious as Keith. Um, so I'm simply Sanjay. And uh, I, um, I ran... Um, and I can't take credit for any of this, but the Big Breakfast is where I came in. Um, My friend over there, Mike Spradbury, is his wife, Ruth, that uh, had that vision. It was her that did that. I was working with her, with two other people when we set that up. So it was Ruth's vision uh, for the Big Breakfast. And that sort of continued, and we've worked that. And I've worked for about 14 years in the homeless sector uh, on the streets of Southampton and with street pastors, as Keith mentioned, a great... It's a brilliant, it's, a, it's an honor to work with street pastors because you are just on the streets, uh, helping people, serving people, and you don't have to, actually, don't, you don't have to say you're a Christian. You don't have to do anything. They ask the questions. So it's a real reward, that one. We, we save the girls. We, we look after students, sick people, Uh, And it's a real privilege because we don't have to do anything. I don't have to get the Bible out or anything. They come and ask. Sometimes they laugh at us and call us the God Squad, but that's fine. But a lot of the time they love it. So street pastors, homelessness, and sort of Big Breakfast, which has happened for 14 years at Above Bar, is um, a great mission. And this is a great church to do the Big Breakfast in because we are right in the center um we've got all the we know all the homeless um and as keith mentioned when love southampton coordinated the churches um i think i was out on the streets in the peak of covid feeding the homeless and that's when the council came and i think and i think as keith mentioned paul woodman from love southampton the council they all kind of put together this plan and that was put into action and it really took all the homeless off so I think what Keith is saying is correct in that um, we these stories aren't told efficiently and effectively. But there's a, there's massive work going on in the city that no one knows about. Um, and hopefully, at the end of January, when this uh, PhD thesis is written, <laughs> uh, um, we'll have something to talk about. But so, Big Breakfast is where I started. And can you can you share with us
1: some of the uh, the interactions that you have with people at Big Breakfast, some of the stories.
3: Yeah, so so Big Breakfast is great because we get we get up we serve breakfast. So there's about there must be well COVID knocked it out, but we used to have about 25 volunteers at Big Breakfast, and it was probably one of the bigger uh, missionary works in in our own church. It probably we used to have up to about 100 people every Thursday. And they'd come up um it was a warm place to be they got fed um and we served uh, we just served them they just sat around the table but it, it's these these opportunities don't come up we we've got this church we've got this space we can invite people in again we don't have to preach or do anything but they see it and i think um it said in uh when we were singing hosanna that um you know god loved us so much but you know we need to love so much back because as Keith has mentioned, the marginalized kind of get, they can, they're dropped off. We don't see them. We don't see them at the side of the streets. We do, but we're almost blind to it. But if we bring them here and we invite them into our church, they're very, very visible. And, um, you know, we feed them, we look after them, they tell us things, and then we know more about them. We can help them with their mental health issues. We can signpost them. There's so much we can do, and some of them come into, you know, tre- for Trevor's Alpha Group, or you know, they start to wonder, they question, and we and we don't have to do anything. We just have to love, and we have to serve. That's all we have to do. We don't have to preach. Um, I remember when people were trying to preach to me, it was the most repulsive thing ever. So you know, if we just if we just be still, and let people come to us, and ask the questions, and then and then you have a great conversation.
1: No. Sounds like good news. Yeah, you're slowly getting it. That's good. It's good. How how can we pray for you, Sanjay, in the work of the B- Big Difference Big Breakfast?
3: So Big Difference obviously is a spin-off from Big Breakfast, but it's uh, it's massive. So I think with Big Difference, I think it, we're talking about uh, wisdom. Um, I have a lot of wise people around me, don't I, Ash? <laughs> but I have a lot of wise people around me who help and steer me. So I think it's too. Um, it's basically we need to know what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. Um, there's there's something massive there, and I think we can feed the city, we can help them, but we don't want to just be doing that willy-nilly. We need to kind of do it in a more ordered, structured way. So, we, so uh, I'm, we're probably working with about 85 communities at the moment and schools, 10 schools. But I think prayer would be for the volunteers because they are... That's who it goes down to at the end of the day. They're the ones that drive it. We can all have ideas, but if we've got no volunteers, you can't do anything. So prayer for wisdom and prayer for the volunteers who do it.
1: Those sound like good things to pray for. I'm going to invite Ash up who's going to pray for Sanjay now. Thank you.
4: I was just going to say that that um, passage in Act 6 for Stephen we're filled with the spirit and wisdom, read Sanjay, but as he was horribly martyred a bit later on, I think probably that's not such a good <laughs> analogy. Anyway, Sanjay, let's pray. Father, thank you for Sanjay. Thank you for his heart, for the vulnerable and the hungry. Thank you for his boundless energy, for his entrepreneurial skills that enables lots of food from many different sources to come into the big difference. Thank you for his ability to speak to chief executive and the homeless with integrity and authenticity. Lord, please protect Sanjay. Um, Let him know when it's time to rest. Thank you that he was able to take a holiday recently for the first time in over two years. Um, So please do let him know when to rest and also let him know when to work hard. Um, We do pray that Sanjay and Big Difference will continue to be a beacon of light in this church and across our city, in Jesus' name. Amen. And now we're going to hear
1: from Joyce, who's coming up, bounding up to the stage. This is actually Joyce's second service of the day, because you were here this morning as well, sharing about, um, sharing about mission, your heart for mission. Um, And the story kind of starts with a little bit before what you're doing now, Do you want to share some of that with us?
5: Yeah, thanks, Ed. Yeah, so um, I've been a sent Mission partner with Above Bar Church um, for the past two years, um, living and working on a ship, a Christian charity ship called Logos Hope. So, yeah, we've just come back um, and starting new things. Uh, There's lots of need um, all over the world, but also here in the city. Uh, So, yeah.
1: So you you were a sent mission partner and now you have come back. You're going to continue working missions. So can you share some of some of that?
5: Yeah. So um, I've just started a new job with Southampton City Mission, which is a local charity here. Um, on a Monday, um, we used to run uh, Basics Bank, which is a Southampton City Mission project out of the basement. And we've just had our lift fixed, I think. So they're coming back to our building um, in next week. Um, and then they also have a schools work, and that's the team that I'm going to be part of. Um, so I'm a schools worker for Southampton City Mission. That means that I get to go into schools all over the city um, and share the love of God and the hope that we have and Bible stories with children and young people.
1: Sounds like good news. <laughs> there we go, yes. C- what, what is your hope for this role? Obviously, we've heard some of... Um, our engagement with members of the homeless community um, your work is a little bit different to that so where where does kind of God come into the work you're doing
5: yeah so um, children and young people in our world today um, facing yeah so so many different issues um, and yeah, the stats are that 96% of uh, under-18s are not in our churches, have not heard about Jesus, um, don't know that they're made by creator God, um, that Jesus loves them. Um, there's, yeah, so much need, I think, for community, uh, for them to know their worth. Um, and, yeah, we have an opportunity to go where they are, um, the space where they, they spend five days of their week um, most of their time, and and be there and um share with them we walk alongside schools um some schools we go every week um some schools we're in you know for assemblies and for um lessons for re lessons um, and we get to be a light there to teachers and to pupils and we're there to serve um, them and to share yeah with them the, the hope that we have
1: and, and how can we pray joyce i know there's this is a big move for you and your husband, who's also involved in local mission here. What can we as a church do to pray for
5: you? Yeah, pray, um, personally, I guess, um, as I go into different schools around the city, that um, the Holy Spirit will really help me to, to make an impact there, um, that I would be in touch with what God is doing. Um, and yeah, children and, and teachers and everyone I come across would, would see Christ, I guess. Um, and then for, I guess, the organization, Um, two things I'm going to talk about a prayer request for Basics Bank as well because there's so much need Um, there in the city they've fed 500 people in a week and that's like double the numbers that they normally would feed and there's just so much need so do pray um, for Basics Bank Um, and then for the school's work please pray for volunteers Um, Sanjay also said without volunteers we can't go in to the schools we you know i'm one person i can be in one school um if if more schools say we want to have you in which they are saying which is amazing um but we just can't can't be there if if we don't have the people with the time to give so yeah pray that god would raise up workers for the harvest
1: that's good shall we pray for you um i don't patricia's coming up to pray
6: let us pray for Joyce. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the gift of Joyce and Matt, and Thank you for the heart that you've given them for mission. Thank you for your salvation that has transformed them and us. Thank you for the work that they are doing. Thank you for her courage going into schools. Thank you for her humility in working with um, children and youth and um, all the people that Southampton City Mission works with. We pray, Lord, for your spirit to be constantly empowering her and giving her grace and giving her the words to speak, Lord, um, in classrooms, in on playgrounds, in different conversations that she has with young people. I pray that your spirit will be speaking through her and enabling her, Lord, to share your good news and to share this love that she clearly has for you. And I pray that you'll be constantly supporting and encouraging her and encouraging Southampton City Mission. Please be providing, Lord, um, providing people and resources and food and um, energy and strength for them each day. And may they just be seeing your spirit working through them and through all the big and small things that they do. Through Jesus we pray. Amen.
1: Thank you very much Patricia and Joyce, I'm going to invite Bethan up to share a little bit about her work with Young Life, that's right, um, I'll give you this, um, can you tell us a little bit about what Young Life is?
7: Yes, love to. Um, Hi, my name is Bethan. I work for an organization called Young Life International here in Southampton. Um, Young Life is a global mission. It's in 104 countries around the world. And we're all about teenagers um, who have no contact with the church, who have never heard the good news of Jesus. And our mission is simply to, to introduce Jesus to adolescents and help them grow in their faith. How we do that is similar to what Joyce just said. We go to where kids are. So many teenagers are not coming to churches in Southampton, there's around 13,000 teenagers in the city and over just under 500 go to a local church, which is not great statistics. So we want to change that. We want kids to hear about Jesus. We want kids to have the opportunity to come to church um, and to be part of the bigger community. So yeah.
1: And you've been working for Young Life for how long? Oh,
7: four and a bit years.
1: Four and a bit years. Yeah. And I guess over that time, you've picked up some stories of the way you engage with young people. Mm-hmm. Are you able to share some of those? Yeah,
7: All I'd the love same. to share one from the summer. So each, um, what we do with young people is we run a weekly youth group where um, kids who don't go to church, come every Monday to um, play games, to see their leaders do silly things often, and to just have fun and be a teenager, but get to hear a short message from the Bible as well. And we do that all year long in the hope that they will come to camp, where they get to do that every day for a week. Um, And this year, we brought a girl who um, I've been working with in a local school for the last four years, who has not come to any Young Life events, but came to camp. Um, she's not from a Christian home um, she'd never heard the gospel um, and I was a bit like well what's going to happen this week we'll see what God can do and um, day one she said in our evening and um, like time together that she was open that she was willing to see who Jesus was fast forward three days and she um, and I are playing basketball and she just heard that she was a sinner and that Jesus had died for her on the cross. So we hadn't got to the resurrection part yet, but I was asking her how, how she was feeling about the talks and things. And she was like, oh, Beth and I believe that. And I was like, oh, sorry, what, what's going on here? She was like, oh, abs- all of that, I believe it. I know that Jesus died for me, and I know that I am a sinner, but that I am saved. Um, and I just, yeah, I believe it. And I just was like, great, cool, uh, Wonderful, I guess. Try not to cry on a basketball court. Um, and at the end of the week, she comes home. She buys herself a Bible. In the train station, she tells her mum that she's a Christian and that she wants to start going to church. And her mum's like, okay, weird, hello, come home. Um, but she has. I met her a couple of weeks later just to see how she was doing. And she was showing me her new Bible that she'd got and um, showing me all the verses that she's been really being encouraged by. Then on Friday, we met up with more of our friends um, from Young Life, and she was telling me how she'd bought two Bibles because two of her friends didn't know what a Bible was and she wanted to have that and she wanted them to have one. So she's given them to them. And she wants them to come to club. Are they allowed to come? I'm like, absolutely. So this girl who had never heard the gospel two months ago is now inviting all of her friends, buying them Bibles and giving them to her because she is so convinced by the love of God. Um, And that's just one story of one of the young people that I get to hang out with. But I've just been so encouraged that God is changing young people's lives um, and is raising up, like we've just sung, a new generation of leaders who are going to go and make even more um, disciples in this city.
1: Sounds like good news. (laughs) There yeah. go. And now we're really getting somewhere. How can we pray for the work of Young Life?
7: Yeah, and um, you can pray for more volunteers as well. Um, the more volunteers we have, the more kids that we can reach. And um, so more volunteers and um, more partners in our ministry. We are a charity organization um, that is based on uh, just the very generous donations of many people in the city and churches in this city. And we need more um, to continue the work that we're doing. And um, so pray for more more volunteers, more donors so that we can continue the work
1: sounds good uh, Nick's going to come up and pray for you Bethan
8: wow that's exciting to hear isn't it let's pray Father God we want to praise you and thank you so much for for these exciting stories uh, that Bethan's just shared I'm sure just a small amount with us this evening thank you for Bethan thank you that you love her thank you that you've called her to this this ministry and Father, we want to pray uh, for more conversations, more openness. Thank you for these great conversations that have happened this summer at, at camp. Thank you for the idea of, of this ministry, of having fun together, of, of having a, a message from your word. And Father God, we want to praise you for, for this girl that we've just heard about on the basketball court that that heard the message and responded. Thank you for the new life there. Thank you for her her, her early faith, her new faith, and the fact that she's She's sharing that faith and buying Bibles. Lord, we pray for, for more of that, for more, more people to come to know the Lord Jesus. Lord, we want to pray for young life. We want to pray as an organi- organization that they would get more volunteers, more partners, more funding. And Beth and I was just led to this verse to pray over you. Um, Romans 8, 11 says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. Father God, those those lyrics we sang earlier, I see a generation rising up to take their place. Lord, we want to pray this over the teenage generation in our city, in our country. Father God, come and work and work powerfully by your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.